No coffee spills this week, Seth. Come on. Be careful over there. Hey, you're the one that spilled the coffee now. Oh, wait, no, I did that yeah. week. You're right. How you're could I forget? Mess. You're much more together this morning. I'm more asleep and trying to wake up this morning. I'm, you're the together one today. I woke up. Uh, I had a nice sleep last night. Jeff Atchison, Yonrico Scott, Charlie Wooten, and others blew my mind last night, but we'll get to that later. Well, would that be for the new segment, the uh, R? T-R-A. Oh, yeah, the T-R-A. As a kind of a tribute to TWA, the airline I used to fly out to New York shows. I thought it was more of a more like a tribute to TRI. Studios. TRI, sure, sure. I love my TRI, even though they're dormant these days from a webca- from a webcasting perspective. But the TRI stands for Turner Reviews Anything. So I, I'm going to start reviewing anything. I think uh, the first one would be a really good one. Would be uh, Depends. Uh, you know, Concert Depends. So How about you- Southwest Airlines? That'd be a great sponsor. I travel with them all the time. Endlessly impressive, but I don't want to talk too much because they should they should sponsor us. They like, should like QT. I could talk till the cows come home about QT. Uh, most people don't know what QT is. Though, well, that's the why because that, they don't have the right podcast sponsoring them. Seth, don't you think people who travel and use convenience stores listen to this podcast? Hmm. 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 So, so how anyway. are we doing? How are we doing? This is a rough week. Oh man, yeah. We're being all glib, but mm, yeah, no. It, I mean, come on, heavy Vegas heart on many and, levels. Petty. <sighs> See, I always it's tell tough, people, man. they ask, what was your first Dylan show? And I'm able to say, first time I saw Bob Dylan, he was playing in a dome, he had Tom Petty backing him, and he had the Grateful Dead open for him. It was a co-bill, but the Dead played first. And uh, it, to me, the thing that initially, it's so strange how young Petty was then, you know, on that tour. They did five shows together, Dylan, Petty, and the Dead. And Petty was so much younger than them, and now he's gone, and Dylan goes lives on, and Tony from Dylan's band lives on, and Bob, Bobby, and Mickey and Bill live on. I mean, he, Petty always seemed young to me, but I guess I guess there were some demons. I, I watched some video from the last tour. He, he didn't look like the Tom Petty I knew. They were putting on great shows. Yeah, but he did look like he was not all there. Hmm, interesting. I I didn't catch that, but I mean, I don't, you know, who knows what these guys are doing on their free time, right? But um, I don't, I never think of Tom Petty as like the rock and roll partier. No, he always seemed together and like, I'm I'm sure fun loving and all that stuff, but not like excess. 
Yeah, and I the mean, music didn't really speak to psychedelic excess. I mean, yeah. would, well, I don't think it would be psychedelic, but his music didn't speed uh, speak yeah. to speed. Excuse me. Right, there were a lot of like down. Mm. There was a lot of beauty in the down tempo things that the Tom Petty. I mean, it did. was free falling, not speed falling. You know. Yeah, I knew some people. Some people thought that thought that song was a bit sexist. You know. Hmm. She's a good girl. She Loves likes the music I her like. Daddy. She likes the religion I like. So anyway, well, that, that's that was very tough. yeah, but uh, but <clears throat> you know, I mean, I listen. We're not. I don't want to talk too much about Vegas here, but um, I, you can't if yeah. you go to concerts and you go to festivals. Yeah, it's got to be a little extra scary. I actually worked that. Um, I worked two events in that uh, that that space there, and yeah, man, it's just you know. But I refuse to let any terrorism impact what I do or don't do in my life. Sure. I just, it's just. Whether that was homegrown, homegrown terrorism or whether there was something more nefarious. I've heard the, the uh, conspiracy theories. <clears throat> I'm not gullible enough to summarily accept or reject those. But um, it's not going to stop me from going to concerts. Although Certainly. they might want to think about it. Now, how many festivals do you work it's, where there is a building? I, I guess Hangout would be one. Where there is a building. Tortuga's where, another. I mean, you know, Life is Beautiful's another. I mean, there's, there, uh, where there's a building uh, that... Lollapalooza's another in Chicago. Uh, you know, the, the list goes on and on. There's the, and, and you take a ground like Tortuga, which is in South Florida, right there on Fort Lauderdale Beach. Like, I mean, my God, like there's hotels just all over the beach right there oh, overlooking it. So, I didn't I mean, know that. You know, and this changes. Uh, yeah, I was talking to some different um, security companies that I work with in the music festival world, and you know, they're they're all taught, they're all hit hard by this because it's it you know it changes things. I mean, think about like the, the 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 security at a festival. They're minimum wage. A lot of them. They're unarmed, and you know, they're there for crowd control essentially, or or you know, really preventing people from going through gates. Right, gate security. Um, these people, you know, they're. And, and and here's the thing, what color shirts are they wearing? Bright yellow, mm. bright orange, mm. bright red. You know, I mean, so like they're here to protect, but now they're like the super target targets, themselves. Man. Absolutely. But folks, don't let this don't let this one incident make you afraid of going out. Well, it's been more we than one incident. It's been more than one incident, right, but you still don't right. want to. It's funny because I work for Live Nation now, and that was a Live Nation event, so it's a, it's impacted us. They're they're. The, Always very concerned about the. That's one of the most striking things. You know, the Live Nation has a bad rap, but I've now worked for them. I know how much they care about their their uh, the people coming to these things, and um, it's affecting Live Nation venues across across the world. If someone's deranged enough and or sick enough to want to do harm, or angry, they will or find angry enough a, about an arms deal gone bad, they will. Oh God, <laughs> they will find a way to do harm. So. Um, but but here here's what I want to get out though, Rob. It's time you know it's times like these that we have to as we just have to take a step back and 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 open our ears and open our voices and get in a dialogue and actually talk through this stuff. It's you know, guns are not going away, folks, but we can do some things to lessen the impact. You know, we like <clears throat> excuse me, like they're talking about with this uh, device and getting that banned. I mean, just we just have to have a conversation and start working through this. I, I mean, listen, if someone wants to collect guns, I mean, I don't think that they shouldn't be able to collect guns, but well, maybe not. Too pre- preachy, but conversation's the key. Yeah. These events bring out the extremists, and the extremists bog down the discourse with their inflexibility. 
we need to focus on the moderates and try to have discussions, like you said, and not yelling at each other from afar and, and completely ignoring, you know, you know what I say. Well, I, I do. I know what you say. Most of the time it's, give me that. Can I eat that? Can but, I see that show? <laughs> catch that show. Listen, Rob. Is that being webcast? I, I, having discussions is important. And, and I find that it, lately, at least, when I have a dialogue with someone who's on the opposite perspective, when I talk to someone who's a gun-carrying, gun-loving, gun-owning, you know, holster-wearing... Or, I, or the other extreme, someone who completely does not understand why the amendment has to be there. Sure. I, I listen, and i got to be honest. Some people have valid points. Now, I'm not saying that, they're, that I agree completely. Like, I do not... I'm uncomfortable if I see someone, you know, at a restaurant with a gun, you know? Like, that's not what I want to see. Um, someone carrying a gun that's not a police officer is what I'm trying to get to, but... Listen, I have to respect and understand their perspective, and I think it's important that we, we all take, a, take, take our opinions aside and listen to what other people have to say and then find something in between. So that, that's, that's what I wanted to get and out. we got to keep the silencers out because the one thing that could make these mass shootings scarier is if you don't really know what's going on. So if these people have access to silencers and they can start popping people off without the sounds and then people just start dropping, you don't know where to run, even less know where to run. I mean, that, that could be scary as hell. Well, let's, um, let's, let's transition out of this because we could, we could have a whole episode just talking about it. But, uh, you know, I mean, t- I don't, I don't want to be cliche and say my hearts and prayers are, you know, I mean, I, I want to say, God damn it. Fuck. I do. I do. My heart does go out to people who, hey, you hear a family member is going to some country show in Vegas or something, or maybe, what if someone was in town and they just spontaneously, oh yeah, heck, I'll go see Jason Aldean, and then they experience that. It's just... It's not just them. It's, there's it's the, horrifying. The, the trauma, not the people, not just the people that died, the trauma of the people that got injured, or the trauma of the people that know the people that got yeah. injured, and know the people that, got, that died. I mean, this is, it's so massive, so massive, the emotional uh, strain this has put on people, and, and, and pain that it's put on people that's unnecessary. But happier times. We've got other things we'll talk about at the end of the show, but let's let's talk about the happy day that we got to sit down in Robert Kwan's... Yeah, much better. We got to sit down with the main squeeze in Robert Kwan's studio. Did he cut your mic off? Did he Bill O'Reilly you in this interview again? I liked when he Bill O'Reilly you that time. Cut his mic! Cut his mic! And uh, on that note, folks, here's the interview. No, I'm kidding. Um, and Seth gets a pun in immediately. We, <sighs> we like just sat down. Thanks for squeezing us on. Thanks for squeezing us on. We're oh. like an orange. You know, Rob, thanks for ruining it. Now they're not even going to listen to the episode because they're going to be like, oh, it's fucking Seth's punny. I'm not going to listen to that. Um, I always know when they have a good booking agent by looking at their tour dates and they have venues with which I'm not familiar. Like the, You know, outside the box booking agent. Like oh, the 1904 okay. Music Hall in Jacksonville? Do you know this place? I remember it like it was 1904. The Wonder Bar in Asbury Park? I wonder about that place. God, you're terrible. This morning, come on. The Westcott Theater in Syracuse? Come on down to Westcott! Syracuse is a big country stronghold, yeah. <sighs> come on, keep this up. I like this fun. Freak Fest in Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> cool guys, Freak Fest. <laughs> I 
I get a friend in Madison. He's kind of a freak about the dead, but he's not like a freak person. He's very kind of, um, you would never know if you looked at him. Is anyone, like, but that's like, well, two things. One, freak and dead, head kind of the same yeah, thing. Yeah, he doesn't listen to any, just Fine. anything so, else. So Only he, Grateful Dead. That's ridiculous. I love that. No, the, that's like someone that's, I love burn, that's like Burning Man. That's like a Burning Man. It's like, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, and then I just get my freak on. <laughs> Run through fires. <laughs> that's a whole other subject. All right, we should. Why would you do that? What is the point? I guess I did that at Green Anchors once, but it was a different setting, different time. Smaller fire. Yeah, I ran through a fire after flying my concert. I was um, exuberant. All right, uh, more venues. The Crowbar in Tampa. I have heard of that play. (laughs) What? How about Baton Rouge? Sunday in the park. I think think it's on the the 1st of of October. Oh, that already happened. Yeah, dude. That did. Well, they, their New Year's is at the Mint in Los Angeles. Do you yeah. know the Mint? Yeah, absolutely. I get it every time after I have a nice meal. Help me. <laughs> and the folks, did you know that there was crickets on the radio today? And they do a one-off around Thanksgiving at the Vogue. The what? A one-off. No, no, no. We said one-off. A Vogue? The Vogue. Yeah, that place like, is oh, really cool. But anyway, I thought you were saying they're covering Madonna Vogue. <laughs> but I might have creeped them out a little bit because... Them? Well, mainly Corey, because Corey is just an amazing singer. Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole band is great, and the way they improvise, and the way they write songs, and their their albums are really cool. And their story, their history is... I I was really fascinated by their history and how they came together. Yeah. I love that one, because that that one, you kind of learned about them as it went along, because I remember that day you were crunched. You didn't have time. You were running around doing stuff with the family, and... And so you were, like, learning on the spot about the band, and you were really surprised about some of the things that came out of them. Mm Mm-hmm. About like the summer camp and how they just started jamming. Yes. So, would you want to take it over to them? Uh, not yet. Okay. Okay, now. Steady picking up bad habits. I can't help it. I'm a savage. Ain't nothing about you average. Damn it, I'm an addict. If this is love, take it from me If this is love, I don't want it How you rent it and you own it She looks at me and she flies I'm the baddest little mama that you'll ever meet And when I'm finished, you gon' go and write a song about me yeah. Do you like what you see? It ain't fair, baby, what you do to me. Hips that humble the hardest of egos. No woman can own it, no man can afford it. Nobody can touch somebody. Please wake me up. She got me in a dream, baby, keep me up. You strut around town like you just don't care. I can't take you anywhere. Motherfucker that you'll ever meet And when I finish you gon' wanna write a song about me So get at me We're here at Shaky Knees Music Festival, and uh, thank you guys here for squeezing us in in your time, the main squeeze. No problem. What's up? When we're gonna start with guitarist Max Newman. Oh. Because on this day, 50 years ago, <clears throat> Jimi Hendrix released Are You Experienced? 
Wow. And it's my understanding that you were a cellist until you discovered Jimi Hendrix. Is that true? That's correct. And it pretty much went in that order. I was a cellist, and then I discovered Jimi Hendrix, and then I started playing guitar. And, uh, well, first talk about Jimi just for a minute, because yeah. such a momentous day. Um, and such an amazing performer. Actually, Frank Zappa was the only one of his contemporaries that he looked up to. He, he had pictures all in his studio, and they're all of Freddie King or blues or classical people yeah. and Jimi Hendrix. So, I mean, even wow. his contemporaries looked up to him, even bowed down to him at times. How, what was his biggest influence on you? Man, it's, I think, okay, well, he, I mean, I completely idolized him at, for a period of time. I mean, I kind of still do, but... There was a period of like a year or two where I, I didn't even listen to anything else. I, only, I had like a five CD changer and I had like seven Hendrix CDs. Are You Experienced was the first one I got actually. Um, and I mean, I think that he brought the guitar, the electric guitar to a completely new level um, in the kind of the public consciousness. And I think that nobody has done it that way since and no, nobody will be able to do it that way again because he was the one and um you know just the inventiveness the creativity on the instrument he was like he was just a genius musician that happened to play guitar and he happened to put that into guitar um yeah man i mean i could just go on for hours but yeah well let's go to the adirondacks <laughs> Let's. Which is also one of the few places in the world where Seth is considered humorous. <laughs> well, you know, you got to have some skills to be at the Cats, you know what I mean? Hey. <laughs> but you guys were at a summer camp together, and much like another guitarist we interviewed, Max was a previously a, a tennis instructor. True. <laughs> wow. Are we reviewing uh, cool. that new Amazon like show here or something? What's going on? This is where they met. They were at summer camp together. Well, you were counselors, right? Yeah. yeah. And well, then, we were campers first. We well, met what what campers. camp was that? Camp Baco. Baco. Wow, how appropriate is that? Doesn't sound so much like a Jewish sleepaway camp with a Baco in it. It has nothing to do with bacon. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, um, <laughs> sounds <laughs> boring <laughs> until 420, and then the camp really takes off. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well, who was the guitar player that played tennis? Uh, oh, Brandon yeah. Bayless. Oh, nice. His dad like uh, was a big Notre Dame coach forever. They dominated, and uh, he played for a while, and... I don't know, something about tennis and guitar. But you were basketball, right, Smiley? Something about tennis. Have you ever taken a tennis racket and turned it on the side and pretended to play guitar? Oh, I've man. done that. Yeah, I mean, come on. Everyone that's, has. What do you expect, <laughs> Rob? It's a, Supposedly, it's a gateway. Hendrix did it with a broom just to take it full circle. <laughs> well, yeah, Phil Lesh even did it once to, to, uh, to uh, uh, complain. What, what's protest that they were lip syncing? Phil Lesh once played a mop or something like that. Oh, that's cool. But anyways, tell us about this now. How did it come together at this camp that you guys were to put together a band and, and you covered James Brown or something and the place went apeshit? Is this it? I can't believe you know all this. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. We were, I was a basketball counselor. He was a uh, tennis counselor. And actually, I don't even think he was a counselor. Were you a counselor the first year? Or were you just he, hitting it off the wall? He, he is. You were a counselor two years before no, I was. Yeah, but with the James Brown. So there was, these, there was a group of kids and... Someone came to me and was like, "Hey, there's a couple kids in this in this bunk that play music. You should come uh, say what's up to them." And at this point, I was a basketball counselor. And how old were you? Uh, probably eighteen. Basketball counselor, not basketball coach. Always interesting. Yes. the difference. Yeah, I mean, I coached kids also, um, but 
So is there, is there a difference like coaching is like, okay, what you want to do is you want to get the ball, you know, 10 and 12 and put it up. But now basketball counseling, I the slept. counselor is more like, so how, you, how does that ball make you feel when you hold it that way? <laughs> how do you feel about missing that free throw when no one's even defending you? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Um, but I couldn't do that anymore. So met with these kids and there was out of the eight kids that lived in this bunk, they were, I think they were nine years old. Um, like most of them played some sort of instrument and then the other ones were just friends of them and uh, we decided to form a band with them and we taught them a James Brown song, I Feel Good, the one that they they knew of and they performed it for the whole camp once we taught them the song and then they realized, the, the camp realized that this was like a cool thing. Music was very much in the blood of this camp. It was very, like everyone at this camp loved the dead and fish and funk music and everything like that. And did you drop a shakedown on them? Uh, I, I, many times. <laughs> there were I've so, seen them. Many a few times. shakedowns at Mako myself. You could, so. you, you could get like a nice chocolate milk in the lot. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Jackson was big too, though. Yeah, huge. Big um, on the basketball court. Yeah, so it was the following year they invited me back to not teach basketball, but to teach music full time at the camp. Um, and. Max was actually under contention to even come back. He was a counselor at this point, but he was maybe not going to return because he wasn't a good counselor. We just, uh, he just reminded me of this the other day. Yeah. Um, now I'm putting him on blast. Well, <laughs> ten- tennis wasn't my calling, I would say. So they're like, so should we bring back, back Max as a counselor? Um, and I was like, yeah, definitely for a music counselor. Like, we can do that together. So me and him were the only two staff of the music um, part of the camp and we that's all we did we would teach kids ages from 16 to 16 songs 16 to 16 6 to 16 <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah just a, a very small age gap and is, it, is, is it true to, my understanding is that they didn't have enough instruments so you actually went to the uh the the kitchen and used like pans and pots and things like that i don't know who told you that we can keep we yeah we can keep that one going <laughs> sure <laughs> But yeah, that's that's pretty much it, and that's when we, me and Max started playing music together. Was up there during our off time, and we would like sub into the bands when they needed a keyboard player, or a bass player, or whatever. And um, yeah. that was it. But then Max, you went to the Indiana music program, right? After that's that? right. But did you? Yeah. So I was at IU also. I went already. To, yeah, already. Okay. Exactly. Um, he actually visited when I was there. I was a business major, marketing, and. Uh, I was in one of the classes I was in, also crazy full circle, was a Jimi Hendrix class. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and Max came to visit IU, and he sat in on the Jimi Hendrix class just like sitting next to us, um, and that was when he was checking out the school, and he decided that he wanted to go there. So once he got to IU, we almost immediately started the main squeeze. Yeah. And Corey, yeah. the wonderful, wonderful voice, Corey, Thank you for being here. This man has melted me many times. Can barely look at him. Corey, you just met you just met Smiley kind of randomly in a bar. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. And this is in Bloomington, which, by the way, this is Bloomington. The band is kind of like me, where my parents met in Bloomington. So the genesis of the band is the same city as my own personal. That's genesis. amazing. It's wow. a beautiful town. And I've seen uh, Dylan in your little theater, your killer little theater wow. on campus. Wow, that's amazing. The um Auditorium? Yes. Wow. No, the, the one that's more of a theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Small theater. Yeah. I was at a Dylan show at the auditorium, too. Mine was about 97. Mine was like 12, 2008 or 9. Just before he went uh, He didn't Sinatra. have much of a voice. Uh, no, it was. I remember it, that. Yeah. Kind of. Uh, <laughs> 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 Rain. 
Go on, Cardi. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, I'm two years older than Smiley, so I actually went to IU um, on a coin flip. Kind of crazy. I was from I'm from Indianapolis, but um, I played sports in high school, and I was actually looking at smaller music schools to play football and sing. And um, found out that my knee was pretty bad, and I knew I wasn't going to the NFL. Were you a lineman? I was a lineman. Played center. I was going to go tackle. I was captain of the football team. You were the captain? You wouldn't believe that, would you? You did your job, huh? <laughs> I did my job. Nice. Uh, yeah, we weren't very good, but I was a captain. Um, yeah, so I ended up going to IU on a coin flip. Kind of crazy, but it worked out. And I met Smiley two years later. Um, there's a bar there. Shout out to Kilroy's Wednesday night, half off drinks. Um, is that still that still a deal? Oh, yeah. I don't oh, yeah. know if it's still even is, if it's not. It, you yeah. just tell them. Shout out Wednesday nights. This, this episode is released. On, will be released on a Wednesday, so <laughs> okay. I think you know people should be tipping and yeah. they should be cranking it at that bar. Exactly. It's probably episodes. too cool now. They probably don't even do half off drinks at sports now. It's too cool. But Smiley, um, I had a good friend at the time. I sang acapella in college. That was a sort of a big part of my college experience. Um, a group called Straight No Chaser, and you're a Straight No Chaser. I was. I was. I was in it for four years. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, my director, my freshman year, he stayed around um, in Bloomington after he graduated, and he was doing dueling pianos um, at this bar, sports on Wednesdays. And so I would come in from time to time just to sit in with him, sing a song or two, just kind of a you know a fun place to hang out, and I was going to be there anyway, so it was always nice to sit in. And this one particular Wednesday, um, he asked me to sit in, and um, this kid came and sat on the piano and took the took his spot, and it was Smiley. <laughs> and I was kind of like, yo, I'm about to sing No Diggity. Like, you know No Diggity? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. It's like, all right, well, let's just do it. And we ended up playing together, and afterwards he was like, that's sick. Like, I play music. Like, holler at me. And uh, he shot me a Facebook message the next day. We still laugh about that. Nice. Um, You're and, that young a band that Facebook's part of your genesis. Yeah, that's oh, kind of yeah. crazy. crazy. Well, yeah. it, I guess it was part of our genesis, but it didn't. We didn't really materialize as a band until after that. That was just our first meeting. So we met then, and years kind of passed. And right before I was going to leave to take a cruise ship job, um, I met up with Smiley again. We recorded a couple tracks. And, cruise ship performing job. Yeah, I worked for Cele- Celebrity Cruise Lines for a little bit. Um, that was the last job I did before I joined the school. You must have sung a lot of Stevie Wonder on that, huh? Some Stevie, some Frankie Valley, whatever, you know. Frankie, Bev- Frankie Ve- Beverly. No, Valley. Oh, no. <laughs> wishes I, I wish it was Frankie oh. Beverly. Uh, Nothing against the Valley family, but no, come on. No, no, Frankie yeah, Beverly is. Yeah, Frankie yeah. Beverly's my mama's favorite. I like them both. So, yeah, me too. I do too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we ended up meeting up before I left for that cruise ship, and I kind of told him I was taking off. And honestly, I did the contract, and the last thing I was expecting was to come back to bloomington but um my brother was in school at the time and i came back and they had the thing the band going at that point and i saw them on a whim and yelled at smile like yo i'm back in town and it was their lead singer who was like i'm moving to cali like you should definitely um try to holler at them they're looking for a vocalist and at the time i was moving to chicago but um i talked to smiley we had a rehearsal i had nothing going on at the time i had money in my pocket to kind of hold me down for wherever I was tra- deciding to go. And it just felt really right. I remember like practicing at Smiley's Basement at the time. And Well, that's a great name for a venue. Yeah. <laughs> Smiley's Basement. Smiley's Basement. <laughs> yeah, it was a funny little venue. <laughs> it's also encouraging to join a band with a keyboardist named Smiley. Cause yeah. I, I was in a band with a keyboardist, his nickname was Scowly, <laughs> and they didn't even last a month. So yeah, sure. right. The guy was an asshole. <laughs> Yeah. You want a smiling keyboard player. You do. You do. You do. 
<laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I prefer blind keyboardists. No offense. Just, I, yeah. I do. Smi- yeah. I mean, the smiling's great, but, you know. There's a couple really good ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I heard. So. We're in Georgia. <laughs> At least two. <laughs> <laughs> I got one of them on my mind right now. Oh! oh. oh. Hey! All day with these guys. Does he have a woman? <sighs> so, uh, <laughs> who... <laughs> I got it, I got it. Who... What are you, an owl? Go ahead, give us another. (laughs) But this is huge. This is kind of where this band started to get the credit they deserved. Mm -hmm. I I assume. I don't. I've only heard you like last three or four years, but clearly you're onto something wonderful. But um, Randy Jackson somehow came all the way to Bloomington to see you perform. How was he familiar with you? It was through our manager at the time, uh, who had like pretty much just. I don't want to say weasel then, but <laughs> he he kind of just like pretended to know him at a party and just like kept this thing going of like, oh yeah, we know each other from way back. Blah, blah, blah. And like, they just, does that, that works. That yeah, it actually it worked. It, does. Yeah, like, it actually somehow worked. Oh, I love this guy already. <laughs> yeah. Was that you, Ron? No, it wasn't me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. No, this guy's not in the picture, but. No, actually it was, his name was Moore and then Ron came in later. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, <laughs> that's weird. His last name is Morrison. Whoa! <laughs> I'm not gonna say his wow. name. But so so he got to know him, and then Randy did another one of his bands, and then he showed Randy our stuff, and like he just went crazy. He mm-hmm. loved um, Doctor Funk and Where Do We Go, and maybe one other one that he was loving. And off our self-titled, our first, yeah, our first full length, the first full length album, which we did in Bloomington. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, he, he like flew out with just like him and his, and a bodyguard. They flew India into Indianapolis. They like rented a car, came all the way to Bloomington. He took us out to eat and he was just like, yeah, I love what you guys do. And like, I want to work together. And then he saw us play and it was like a, it was a sick show at the Bluebird. And then at the end he like got on stage and it's this like classic moment. Of like he he turns see because he kind of turns on the Randy Jackson that you know from when he starts saying dog and all that yeah crap. Yeah, yeah like yeah. he's not like that when you're just well not Jean Luc Ponty would not have had someone with him for years who said dog all the time no <laughs> way mm-hmm. true mm-hmm. true and John McLaughlin I mean he played with everybody. he played with John McLaughlin I didn't yeah, know that yeah Billy Cobham Billy Cobham too. Yeah. yeah dude crazy yep. um, crazy list Journey but then shout out Journey <laughs> always I love the new singer the kid is amazing. I don't know. He's from the Philippines. He's an amazing singer. Wow, that's cool. But go on. So yeah, so he gets on stage. Yeah, man. Like I love this town. This is a cool town, dog. Like, and like everybody's just going crazy in the audience. And he's like, "Check these boys out, man." And he like kind of just like bigged us up. And then after that, we started to fly to L.A. and work with him on an album. Took a really long time because. He had so much other stuff going on between Idol and then, you know, whatever else. And he we was were doing. on the road in like 200 days a year. So, like, in right. between our breaks and his breaks, it was. It we were was just tough trying to, to figure that out. And then we would fly out and we were recording at, uh, at a Henson studio um, in Hollywood, which was amazing. And then, like. Are there any yeah. reservations? He's a big name and you guys uh-huh. are a smaller band. Are there any reservations that it can get out of your hands when it, it, it's a producer of that, of that prestige? It's. It's different. I mean, because it, it wasn't like a, a big major label. There wasn't like a bottom line of like, we got to sell this many copies, so you guys are going to do it my way. You know, he was actually, I mean, one of the reasons we were interested was just talking to him. He really got it. Like, he got us and he heard the influences. He heard 
he could kind of feel where we were going. You know, he brought up Dave Matthews. He brought up the Allman Brothers. He brought up Perfect. Buddy Miles. Like, and this was coming from him, and he was just like, this is organic. Uh, like, let's just keep growing this organic. I just want to mentor you guys and help you kind of understand some things that are going to kind of push you to another level. So organic and so much potential that you wouldn't even, like American Idol would not even be an appropriate route for you guys, right? Did he ever? He never mentioned no, that. Right. No, right. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you want the gradual yeah. growth to happen. Music, music shows are, are reality TV, and um, he kind of explained that, and, and it would help in different forms, but sure. not for what we were building. Good. It wasn't important, and they could sort of use those outlets to push some of their artists you know american idol was kind of founded by a and r's that mm -hmm. wanted to have an opportunity to showcase some of their people in a shifting entertainment industry where reality tv was kind of taking over so you know um that wasn't really a thing for us it was just like let's let's mold what you're doing let's try to hone in on the best aspects of the things that we do like about it and try to create he kind of gave us the direction of just making us think more about the songwriting process um, and it was frustrating at times because we spent two years doing it, but we were, it wasn't really two years. It was like, you know, you got a week, let's go, let's show you all these songs that we've been working on. Let's tear through them and say, oh, we played you 10 songs. Maybe these three will be good. You know, so it was a process of that, mm -hmm. which, um, was positive in the direction that it made us think about music. But, um, it also was a little frustrating because we, where we were as a band and the and the way that we were kind of going about our growth um we wanted to release music it was important to us we were traveling a lot it was a lot of these songs were songs that we were already playing before so it was like we want to give our fans like you know we're not a pop act yet you know we're not on the radio so we want to make sure that the people who are following us aren't getting stagnant with the material that we're putting out we wanted to get material out so right. that became like I want to say it was like a big issue, but we kind of butted heads on that a little bit where we were like, you know, we just want to get this out and move on to the next project. And he was like, oh, you got time. There's no rush. You know, you got all the, you get one chance to release something. So, you know, might as well just make it right when you release it. And we were, we were just kind of, we dif we disagreed. Did he know? help you to not sound like your influences as much? Like, you know, the whole kill mommy thing. Yeah, I, I don't think I wouldn't say that because no, like, I think the new well, album is a reflection of the new album for sure. I mean, you um, definitely sound like yourself. Yeah, I think you know the one thing we didn't want to lose was us in that whole right. process. But what we wanted to do was create music that was um, that was more song driven and like our live experience. If you come see us, you know we can stretch out songs for days. Everyone in this group is so insanely talented and can play solos around solos around solos you know and with the new album it was more like let's focus on the song aspect just so we can get people who aren't as musically you know talented or ear wise you know aren't as focused on the crazy rhythms and all this stuff to just listen to the songs and kind of dive into that and then we'll stretch that experience out live. then take so, them for a ride when they come see us exactly exactly and i think i always say that you know it was a without a sound it's kind of a perfect combination of all the lessons that we learned through creating our own um also was the before. first time where, where you didn't you hadn't really been performing the the most recent the songs on the most no, recent album the right? first time we ever yeah. took like we were off the road and it was like let's just write and make the album and not play the songs live until it's done and that was a really we for we worked out all of our songs that were on our previous albums live like we wrote them and it was fun but we were playing so much that it was like 
it was crazy to get the feel, oh, this part doesn't work here, this part doesn't work there. So that's how we used to work them out. But this was a, a, a new experience, but it was more like taking all those, taking those lessons and turning them into, um, you know, just the, the, pro, the a project that we could all be like, yeah, all right, it sounds the way we want it to sound. It's saying what we want it to say. It feels like, you know, we've, we've grown as a band. So that was cool. And that was like, you know, Max and Smiley kind of take a lot of lead on that as far as the production side of it. Um, they dig into it for hours. I know Max was for the last year and a half has just been in the studio nonstop. So it was cool. Like I'm, I've come from the side of like once it's done and when I laid it down, like let the people with the ears who can dig into that stuff, dig into it. My, my brain starts wavering on to the next. That's step. A very, <laughs> Jerry, very Jerry. Like what he just said, very <laughs> Garcia. Like my bass player is sort of taking the role of the MD. Um, so we've been work. He's been really helping to expand the live show with all of our input, but he's kind of taking the lead on it and, um, it's great. People, the response has been great. I always go by my mom's judgment because she's usually, she's honest for better, for worse. She's like, I like it. I didn't like it. She was like, it, it was a whole new experience. And that coming from her was like, you know, super just humbling and just, you know, appreciative where, of the work that everyone's been putting in. Where does she live? She lives in Hendersonville, Tennessee. So does she come out to shows? She came out to Nashville. She usually comes up to Indy, Indianapolis, where I'm from. She moved down there to chase a little bit of warm weather, but kind of be in a spot where we come through a lot and she knows a f couple people so oh wait till she sees you at the Ryman <laughs> oh man she'll be so proud yeah yeah screaming does screaming. she does she watch what you how people react to your singing does she say anything about that yeah I mean, I mean she, you melt people dude she like, reacts Max, more than that yeah. <laughs> Max is her favorite so yeah. she's like Max. I just that's the first I've heard that. <laughs> she doesn't tell me that. Well, what about the, all the cards you get when the flowers backstage? Yes, it's all anonymous. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Do you no. live? Do you guys live in LA now, or are you still we living do. in Chicago? LA. So, what do you think about? Do you miss whoa, Chicago? Whoa, whoa. Why? Why? Why miss Chicago? Because of Randy Jackson pulled him out there. Is, is that really? Dogs. Yeah. It's the segue. You know, January through April. There's no comparison as far as weather. All right, let's change this interview. Oh my God, so like so, for real. So like you guys live in LA. <laughs> <laughs> for True. sure, for sure. We're valley kids. So, oh my God. Oh I'm my God. still oh curious. Oh my God. He's a valley girl. He's a valley girl. Did he do like stand up in the Adirondacks or something? I'm no. still thinking about that. Cat's skills. Cat skills. That's where the really Jewish humor, like you know, yeah. okay. the puns and all that garbage. So you guys, people friends. actually laugh sincerely at that. There, <laughs> some do. Uh, <laughs> not just guests trying to ingratiate themselves to a host. <laughs> do I need to do radio voice? So in LA, uh, so in LA, there's you know I, I just don't see you guys as a fitting you know act oh, for LA. It's but just then a I, place. but then but then I like Orgone's out there, right? Yeah. And Orgone, you know, what about? Are you guys part of the Jungle Fire? Do you ever oh, do some no. of the Jungle Fire? No, what no. is the Jungle Fire sound? Jungle Fire is uh, Orgone's drummer, percussion drummer, has his side Will project. Will Phillips? Will Phillips? I think it's Will, right? Yeah. I think Will 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 he's never told us about this. Oh, he's the percussion. He played on our album. So there's oh. this band out there called Jungle Fire, and it's a mix of all. You guys got to get in on this okay. because it's it's it is some funky, crazy, rhythmic, just jungly. Yeah, it's I good. Like that. Yeah, anyway, but uh, L.A. though, it just seems like uh, so yeah. that's that's home right now. It's got it's got it it's stigma about it, but it also you know I mean I feel like the Chili Peppers are from there, and I mean yeah, there's crazy right, yeah. history there, and it's just a place with nice weather, and we kind of we kind of live a little bit outside of all the. We don't live in Hollywood or anything like that, but you live right off the smog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just north of the smog. Well, and you're <laughs> close to San Diego, so you do. You know, San Diego is the best temperature on the planet, also known as mall temperature. Yeah. 
So did your manager or Randy Jackson have to do with you guys getting early on? You got that Super Bowl gig. You opened for the Roots and Jane's Addiction. No. That was that was just on our own. That was really, us. that was like Smiley's. Uh, let me get. Smiley. Did you use the move though? Did we like going to the Super Bowl? Hey, remember me, Super Bowl? We go way back. Well, we didn't. <laughs> we didn't play. Oh, no, Jake Super Bowl. did that. A lot of people thought that we were playing. Like in the middle of the field, halftime show, Super Bowl. Like nah. when we got this, it's these pre-show, pre-game shows. Yeah, yeah. but you can still use in your party. in your like. Uh, oh no, bid we sheets, we milked like, it. Right. We milked from it. the oh, yeah. Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, we still use it. That's well, just the roots like, and Jane's addiction. <laughs> that's just right. like when we won the competition in China, and everyone thought we made like three hundred fifty. Yeah, we held up a American. check that said two hundred fifty thousand, but uh, it says yeah. it Hong Kong it's like dollars. No, Hong Kong. Yeah, like thirty-two grand or something. But yeah, that that Super Bowl competition, that was like an online voting competition oh. that we just like we just got all our fans to vote and we would go I like went to the library at IU and would pass out candy and ask people to vote for us with like hey, Starburst. Some candy. Yep, I did just that. Just Chris here. Up. It was yeah. college kids though. Hi, so. I'm smiley. <laughs> the candy had something good on it. But, and then we had haters. I don't know if you guys Shit, remember. You're the type of person that I, I tell my son to stay away from. If he comes to you with a puppy dog, he's a stranger still. Haters. What do you do when there's a puppy dog? I go with a puppy. No, no, you do not go with a puppy. Haters, were they Giants fans? I must have well, been Giants the, fans. I'm a Giants fan. No, a Giants fan. The whole town but, was rooting against the Patriots. Yeah, so pretty much. Was, I mean, Indy uh, was pretty pro-Giants. Yeah. The Giants but we Giants were had, pretty we damn had good haters that, that said yeah. that like, it should have been an Indianapolis band. Or something, uh, yeah. and they were like, "This band from Bloomington, like this is bullshit." Like, <laughs> and we we're like, "Our lead singer's from Indy, and fuck you anyway." Can yeah, we? We right. can curse, right? It's a podcast, baby. Uh, have at it. Don't, don't. All right, fine. I always have this thing when someone says, "Whenever that, everyone asks that, Seth's got a cat skill joke." Yeah, I just go, "Motherfucker, no. motherfucker, no. shit." No. <laughs> Your mother's gonna listen. To Sorry, this. mom. You know I listen to this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But LA is actually great. <laughs> <laughs> Smiley likes it a lot. So yeah, this Smiley uh, likes it the most yeah. out of everyone. Well, you mentioned the competition at this Vegas-like island off of Hong Kong. How the mm. hell did that happen? <laughs> Could you explain that one? That was kind of through uh, one of Ruben's connections to this guy who they had done gigs. Okay, so like, wait, you Ruben, know, Ruben is your um, Ruben is the drummer who Sorry. you also who also went to school and who I met on my floor in freshman year totally randomly like classic and jazz trained yes exactly a similar kind of like serendipitous meeting you know what i mean just music school students so anyway he similar to how Corey did cruise ships ruben did a cruise ship but then he also did like this thing in singapore which was also like a contract it's like a hotel like a like a casino gig where you play in the you know, in the club every night. Which in some ways can be a good learning tool to see yeah. how people, what they respond to even though you're not playing your own music, right? There was, some, there was no. a time that we were going to, that we were thinking about doing that. That's, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Okay, but, okay. So, Those aren't good though. <laughs> it's yeah, money making great. and you play top 40 covers all day. Yeah. Oh. Like, and you spend your paycheck in the casino like every or night. Or drinking. Oh. Yeah. Um, but like, okay, so his buddy who he had done Singapore with went on to do another contract in Macau, China. Meanwhile, Ruben came back to the States and continued on with the main squeeze, blah, blah, blah. So this dude hits up Ruben and is like, okay, so the Venetian in Macau, where I work, they're doing this crazy competition. I don't think anyone knows about it. It's been called the International Jazz and Blues Competition. Like, you guys aren't really jazz and blues, but like, I feel like you should just enter and I feel like you guys could even win. And we were just like, kind of like, we're cool, you know, it's like a huge grand prize. And they, they were, flew you out there? Yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they picked I mean, yeah. they picked eight 
12, 12, 12 bands, bands yeah. and everybody who got picked at least got flown out, put up in like one of these big casino yeah. hotels. And what do you do? Like a little 10, 15 minute set? Well, yeah, we did like 15 it minutes. Was, yeah, it was the we'll first see. round was a 15 minute set, yeah. and they eliminated it from 12 to 6, and we got through to the 6, and then another 15 minute set, and we won the whole thing. Nice. There was only one other band from the States. There were there were like American guys who were like in bands in Shanghai and stuff, and it was like it was a really interesting scene. A lot of good bands. Yeah, it was cool. Brazil, mm-hmm. but they had never seen anything like us before. No, <laughs> like the especially the crowd, they freaked out when they saw yeah. us and Corey and just everything and because the way you meld the genre. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and Corey's voice combined. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's pretty much that was it. There's a great classic picture of us standing with these like 13 year old Chinese girls. I thought like, they were like 18. Well, hey, you know, they were 18 later. They were 18. <laughs> they were 18. <laughs> That's what they said. 13 is the 18 there, by yeah. the way. Just, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the new 18. Yeah, there was some, there was some interesting stuff going on in the, on that strip. And, uh, and, uh, and, ha- and have your children uh, written you since? <laughs> <laughs> written, not that we know of. Thanks, Rob. I don't answer letters from Asia. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of euthanasia. <laughs> It's not bad. <laughs> he's, he's trying to get a laugh at it. <laughs> uh, Be- before we move on from the, the Super Bowl, any interaction with Roots or Jane's Addiction at all? Yeah, we, yeah, we got uh, a picture with Questlove. He didn't. Okay. Ruben got to play Quest's kit, so that oh, was that's cool. true. Slipped a CD to Perry, but I, I was like watching him to see when he was going to throw it out, <laughs> like after I gave it to him. I can't. Wait oh, to- Guy Fieri was there. <laughs> Guy Fieri was arguably the biggest celebrity there. I mean, you couldn't even argue it. Yeah, I guess it wasn't even other than like Dave Navarro or whatever. But. Yeah, but I mean, like outside of the Roots and Jane's Addiction, like they yeah. were all freaking out over Guy Fieri. And I took a piss next to him, and he was like, he had just found out about the Roots somehow. Like, <laughs> do you live under a rock? I don't know. He was just like, oh, really? This band is great. Like, we're gonna catch him at the House of Blues and like, like blah blah blah. And it was, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a good thing you didn't slip him uh, your MP3 in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Cat skills. Hey, you said you, I would not have been Strong. going there had you not set me up for it. Now I feel like I have to like Deliver. jump on these Deliver. things, man. Deliver. You guys get to leave <laughs> <laughs> and perform tonight uh, with the shaky uh, Oh yeah, Kyle Hollingsworth, good. right? Uh, London, London Souls. Souls. So I just oh, wait, London Souls that, late night. Why did I get confused? I just I'm getting a couple all mixed songs, up because Kyle was at oh, Sweetwater was, late yeah, night. Yeah, then the same venue and blah, blah, blah. same venue, right? Uh, London Final. Souls, though. Yeah, that's a good pairing, though. That's yeah, yeah, I like yeah, to go to those guys. Ron, can I go to that? Can you put me in? Lit? Awesome. Yeah, we got you. It's gonna be a small room for you guys. You'll never play a room this small in Atlanta ever again. Where do you guys normally play in Atlanta? Variety. Variety. We did with the Motet during New Year's. That's right. You did the New Year's one. How was that? I was out. That's amazing. Sold out. Did you sing with? What's their new singer's name? Did yeah, you guys do Lyle. 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 Um, Did you do anything with him? I thought that was James's it, last show. It was James's yeah, it was last show. Yeah, it was second to last. Yeah, yeah, second to last. Right. Yeah, yeah. right, right, right. So, yeah, I know Lyle very well. He's great. great I can say I can hear um, you too. And we have sung together since he has yeah. switched over, but that show was with, it was one of James's. How'd you like shows? that mm-hmm. opener at Terminal West? Who was that? Do you remember? I don't even remember. Voodoo Visionary? Yes, oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes. That's I didn't get That's to crazy. go. I want to see Do that you know double those bill. Guys? Oh yeah, we've had them on. Well, we've oh, yeah. interviewed them. We're gonna have them on the show. Yeah, yeah. They, they were great. They, they actually, love you. Not only does the band love you, but I got to say that in Atlanta, I've noticed a large following of of your fans 
merging over to their fans and vice versa. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of symmetry going on there in is. the fan bases That's there. Cool. They're there stealing is. your fans. You can say it. They're stealing your fans. No, they're sharing. They're yeah, not sharing. steal. Come on. You know, you can like the so Grateful I'm, Dead, Fish, and Widespread Panic. This is, you? This, is two uh, th- this is almost, you know, come on, 2017. You? Come on. <laughs> steal no your friend fan of mine. right out your base. <laughs> You're listening to Grateful Dead Radio with Rob Turner. It's great having deadheads on. Your parents, when did your parents tour? When were their big shows? Uh, my dad was touring with them uh, probably, shit, it's tough to even say. <laughs> I mean, he's, 70s? yeah, like probably early 70s. Probably when you were up. Wow. <laughs> he's probably against a Fillmore and all that stuff. Yeah, I was a Grateful Dead baby for sure. Can I ask you one thing about the new album? Were you on, wait, hold on. Were you, uh, no. were you on the lot? No, no, you weren't a lot, baby. You I wasn't a lot. Kid. No, no, I, I wasn't that bad. You weren't too. the uh, you weren't the kid on the. Uh, your wife didn't shake. Your mother didn't shake you down. <laughs> my boy. Wow, oh, my <laughs> shake you down for birth. Oh God, plop, oh, right. plop. Just, just, um, you know, folks. Get him, a, get him a grilled cheese. This is so good that this is just <laughs> podcast, and you don't have the visual that Rob just gave us of the shakedown. Oh yeah, oh, I'm glad I saw that. We got a GoPro on it. Oh. And I, I want to talk about. Um, yes, Rob. The difficulty of. Uh, being associated with an old school genre like you are, you know what I mean? Because there's yeah. so much that came before you, and and you wanna you wanna blend it with other um, styles, but you don't want it to use your own word. You, you might have to worry about getting stuck straddling the line, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Straddling the line. Yeah. Can you talk about how you negotiate your way through that? Yeah, I mean, I always say our music is 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 eight to eighty. You know, it's for everybody. It, it we we come from different backgrounds, obviously. Um, you know, from the Hendrix to the Grateful Dead. You know, I listen to old school Motown and Soul. A lot of jazz. Um, jazz through you know the music school roots. And when we started writing the music, it goes back to when we first decided. You know what we were gonna do. We sat around a campfire and we I talked about. Wow. You know, what do we want the band to be? What do we want the band to sound like? What's the direction? And. We didn't really decide anything. We didn't. Which <laughs> we was meandered. Good. Yeah, we meandered. We talked for like an we, hour. It's called communication, which kills most marriages. But yeah. anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we, it, okay. we, yeah. After that hour long <laughs> fire, <laughs> hey. we kind of just talked about just making it what it, you know. Let, let's write. Let's let's not try to pigeonhole it. We're in a day and age where, like you said, music is so accessible. You can listen to everything, and we are not one thing. You know, we're not. Yeah. We we every person in this band could have their own band and it could be you know whatever they wanted to wanted it to be but in order for us to create the music that we wanted to make we had to make it together and we wanted to and that's kind of it was a fusion of all of that that's kind of molded our sound into what it is and because of that it's become you know an original sound without a sound without a sound (laughs) an original sound without so yeah i mean well you even on the new album you use it judiciously Mm -hmm. but but you use auto-tune a little don't you or it sounds like you're some melodyne. Yeah, there's a little melodyne in there. Um, Very little bit. But yeah, I try to stay true to it. Well, because I, I mean, I'm more of a live guy than a studio guy. So yeah, I'm but a we out use of my own. Auto tune for him on the podcast. Uh, yeah, you I'm sure. But when you, I, it's curious to me why when you have a, a lead vocalist as as strong and distinctive and good as you, yeah, why you would why you would choose to use uh, that? It, that. To me, my view of that is for people who are okay vocalists to sound great. A lot of when it was you're on already the mixer. a. Well, What's that? The Go. mixer was just kind of like 
the guy that we got to mix it, it was kind of his style, and he, I mean, he really pushed us for so it. Say, isn't it a, so, uh, isn't it more of a style thing? Not so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. If you look at was, sound right now, that's the current kind of thing. Yeah. If you want to reach that genre, it, it just surprised me. Just no, well, surprised. it could yeah, yeah. get it could get used in a bad way, which is probably what you're talking about with a bad singer, and then you correct it with auto tune. But it's that. also like as we what you were saying with just like not trying to sound like the generations that we are influenced by we're very much adaptive to the modern. new technology and the modern sound and vibe and the autotune it's not i wouldn't call it autotune it's like it's just it adds a vibe to we d we didn't really use it that much on the lead it's more just like we, like there was even like vocoder on one of the songs and it's just mm -hmm. like this more like infusing the modern vibe Synthesis. of yeah of the current music industry and like Fusing it with what but we that's just for the studio. When you do those, when you do that live, you're doing um, everything's raw live. Everything's raw. Yeah, as we raw have, as it gets. We, I mean, we have a sound guy that can auto tune. Yeah, well, not <laughs> auto tune, but you know, effects, delays, <laughs> and stuff like that to kind of fit the vibe. But yeah, it's me. What about this one? That's live when they're improvising, when they're off, yeah. off the map. Yeah, ensemble improv. Yeah, are you in a way? the signal for when to return or do you just no, let them go no, and look for them to signal yeah. you i mean we have rob and smiley and, and max they're all communicating with each other that's and I, why to me, it's, one, it's one of my favorite parts is you know i can become a fan for a second you know i can step back and listen we just got in-ears uh, yesterday I'm really excited. Oh, about really? That. Is this your first gig with In Ears then? Well, at the festival? this will be our second one. Second one, tonight. okay. So, wow. um, and it's just become a whole new world, but it's, you know, they communicate well with each other, and we, you know, we have, we talk a lot. We know what going into, you know, like, oh, it might be an improv section or we'll run off, but, you know, I'll give a look if I'm ready or whatever. So it, it works both ways. Sometimes it's, it's true also that like now with the in ears, if they go into a heavy jam, you're like gonna go to the bathroom, go next door, get a right. coffee, make a sandwich, yeah. kiss go a work baby. an angle with a lady, right? Exactly, and get back just in time to wrap it up. With the with the in ears tonight, I just highly suggest uh, you guys do your sound check to the Who. To the Who? Can you hear me? Well, you know who's a huge influence from the rock world on them? Who? Black Sabbath. Black really? Sabbath, yeah. And they do a wonderful Warpix cover. But I got to be honest oh. with you guys. It might be time to work up another one. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people who see you, now they've seen you do it a few times. Yeah. And you love, that's one That's one rock band you all like, right? Uh, what's that? No. Interesting. Oh, really? Well, yeah. yeah. The Deadhead steps up. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, just going to go on record that uh, as a band, we are not huge Black Sabbath fans. Sorry to say. Oh. A lot of respect there, though. Yeah, I oh, know. What's the uh, Black uh, Sabbath cover band? That's not a cover band. It's like... It's, what, which one? Max Sabbath? Where they no. act out no, not the not McDonald's that. song? No, no, not Max Sabbath. There's another. <laughs> right. Mac computers. Isn't it like a Mexican one too? Like there should be <laughs> if there isn't already. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, no, that that's just a song that we loved actually. Um, Give us one. What's yeah, up? We're more we're bigger like? Zeppelin yeah, yeah. fans. But I bigger gotta tell you, that fans, the intro sure. to Two Steps and uh, oh, yeah. Tank X. I mean, those sound like but Sabbath, but I guess Zeppelin too, huh? To me, it was always that. Um, Okay, I always had a lot of respect for Sabbath, but yeah, to me, Zeppelin was the one. They kind of started it all, and I know they started it together, and it was slightly different veins, you know, but um, Sabbath, or sorry, Zeppelin, I, I kind of associated more with, felt a little more soulful, a little more rooted in blues.
I will say when we first started um, as a band, as far as learning covers and stuff like that, and I was kind of circling back to where I was earlier because we came from different backgrounds. You know, we threw out all kinds of covers um, our first two years just to learn everything from, you know, Jay Z to Grateful Dead to Zeppelin to Michael to. I mean, John Legend. I mean, you could just go all police. over. What you guys, police. Were you doing weddings Roxanne. and stuff? Well, we, we weren't doing, no, but we were playing um, in Bloomington, and we were doing a college bar, and we, you know, I joined the band the end of February. Like, so this is like halfway through the second semester of mm -hmm. Smiley's senior year. So, they, you know, they were obviously playing shows, and they were already had song lists. So it was yeah. more about kind of just learning each other more well, so that makes sense i mean to me it seems like a uh, same way you would we kind of take a crowd and it's like right, how are we gonna get this crowd to pay attention right to drop a cover at the same time if you guys are familiar right. i can understand the, the the capabilities of if you guys are all familiar with the song you could probably hear a little bit more and kind of learn each other's yeah, yeah. i weird, like to say nuances, we took the you know? the beatles approach yeah you know just kind of we just cut our teeth on all these covers for like a couple years and then it was like all right we get how those go and how to play them live and how to um, do all that. And then we started writing songs after that. Mm -hmm. Kind of. I mean, we, we might've had like one or two, but was, yeah, we really boom, boom, wow. we did mostly covers <laughs> in the beginning. Shadows <laughs> in the rain. You ever do that one? Mm -mm. Shadows in the rain. No. Oh, you could sing that one. Yeah. Or two hearts beat as one. You too. Can you imagine? Nobody covers that. And See, you could stretch on both those songs. No, because it's weird or twisted <laughs> or no, I, I don't know if we'll ever do you too. Well, we might we might have to. Are you gonna be okay with that? They're not gonna do you too. <laughs> uh, I bet like, you say that to all the girls. Uh, <laughs> so where where are you guys now as a business? Uh, you said you briefly mentioned that you changed management over you know a couple of years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Where where are you guys at now with booking and We're management? Working, working with Madison House for management, actually. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, as of this year, shout out to Madison House. They're a great Mage. team. Absolutely phenomenal um, organ. Yeah, love them. And then uh, we're with. Uh, New Frontier, John Bell, uh, for booking out of Nashville. All right. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So, um, obviously, you can lean on Madison House for a lot of the uh, market. Because you, on the, to market a band like you all, where we talked about the cross genres, et cetera, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's got to be a hard thing to navigate. Do we want to so push tough. here? Or maybe, you know, we already pushed to this audience. Now, how do we push to this audience and bring them in? And how are you going to you know, partner with, you know, like the London Souls is a great mix and Orgone's a great mix. And, you know, there's all these different mixes. But Voodoo Visionary uh, is a perfect mix. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, it's got to be interesting. But, it's um, tough, man. But I, yeah. I imagine it's a little easier to say, okay, Madison House, all right, we can, we can, we can kind of lean on where they're going, and give them that, you know, you don't have to give them as much direction, I imagine. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, there's also the whole jam band um, pigeonhole thing that we've been kind of grouped into because of how we started. Yeah, I know. I bet. But um, <laughs> it's something that we, that's how we started, like organically touring jamming but also singing with Corey and um playing the festivals and that's how we would really get like that's how we would get known in a lot of venue in a lot of cities is just mm -hmm. from a big festival and people coming through from there but we didn't want to get pigeonholed into that genre so now like because we're different than that that's you know? why you moved to la no but <laughs> part of it yeah part of it <laughs> and it and is you, part of it you it's get a different energy out there funk band too now uh -huh. yeah which is yeah it's all in that you get all that jam funk from a Sabbath to Black Sabbath. People, people just want to Sunday say, Sabbath. <laughs> I get what that is. That's this, you know. Yeah. That's the that's the first reaction, but it's not that. 
Yeah. Well, and then the, what you the other thing too is with the name, the main squeeze. You're not pigeonholed to. Well, that's a country band. Well, which no. by the way, can we work on the story that you came up with that name? Can we come up with a better one? Well, when we I start, would like, like a former to. drummer had a dream. I'm, you know, oh, Jesus. I'm just really relieved you guys that. didn't ask us that. You know, because it's a, <laughs> it's not a great it. story. It's been Sorry. It's just we got to make up a new one. People don't want to hear the truth. Let's hear. Man. What do you got? Can't handle the truth. Ah, uh, one of you had two girlfriends, and one didn't believe in the band, and and <laughs> she was hotter. Right. But the one who believed in the band's the one you ended up with because she became your main squeeze because she believed in your art, something like that. That's yeah. she was a thirteen-year-old Asian girl. How <laughs> <laughs> uh, was good? How was good? <laughs> You know, with, with with the main squeeze, I was going with a real shitty story, but that's a better one. That was that was a good Sushi one. Squeeze. I, I, I would say I thought the story was pretty good, but it was. <laughs> Did you say sushi squeeze? Sushi no, no, squeeze. Someone, no, 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 no. Nobody said that. <laughs> <laughs> Angelus. Let's talk about Angelus. Yeah, Am I saying Christ, that right? Yeah, who wrote yeah. that? And who inspired? More importantly, who inspired that? <laughs> can I, can I, I meet this one? <laughs> like today, Corey? Can, you got this. You can't meet her. Are you she's married gone. to this one? She's woman? long gone. She's long gone. Yeah. I was talking about all those bad B-Town girls that get you in trouble. P-Town like Provincetown? Or? No, like Bloomington, Indiana. Oh, we call B-town. it B-Town for the cool, for the cool kids. Who's your gals or cutters? <laughs> you know, both. <laughs> Cutting who's your girls? Yeah, you gotta have your gotta have your town girls, but you also gotta have your college girls. But uh, this was inspired by one specific yeah. woman, or are you gonna do the whole? Oh, it's an amalgam of different. <laughs> no, it was. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at the time, it was inspired by a specific girl. Yeah, well, what, what, what's um, the she song? just had a little bit more attitude than than most, and I kind of liked it. You know, so that's what it was. Also, shout out to Mishka because um, he was a good help in that song as well. Um, when we worked with Randy, he brought some people in to kind of help us out with Mind Your Head, and one of which who is still one of our good friends is this, is this guy Mishka, and he writes for everyone. He just currently just did the new um, Britney Spears album, which is kind of crazy to say oh that. But yeah, he worked with he, Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. He's worked with everyone. He was on Invincible, the album. He was he on the I think album. He sang on it. Yeah, he did. Heart Heartbreak. Uh, Oh, I can't remember the name of the song, but... but Heartbreak Motel. You couldn't do Hotel. Yeah, right. something like that. It was one of those. There's a Jewish one called Heartbreak Kotel. <laughs> Heartbreak in the Mirror. <laughs> yeah, so, the, you know, Angelus was... I don't know. I, I went to church a lot growing up. Um, as I got older, I kind of separated from the church. Um, not in my beliefs. But not the but spirit. Not, not the spirit. I'm still very spiritual, but just church as a whole was a whole... That's a whole other story for another day. But we have another He was excommunicated. Yeah, they kicked me out. Um, 
doing stupid he's a heretic um but yeah when Angel- i said keep it holy i didn't mean uh now i understand the main squeeze go ahead though no no it's all good um yeah it was just more uh so i always throw in little religious anecdotes that were taught to me along the way and um we have another song devil was an angel too i always go to um because that was something my my grandma used to say like you know no one's perfect you know even the devil was good at one point kind of thing um but angels was kind of about that you know like those those girls that you know you, you know there's a little bit more to them and they got a little bit more attitude and that kind of thing but you know i'm down with it i like a little bit of attitude so that's sure. what it's about she might be she you know she might not be an angel but you know she'll be my new religion for the night kind of thing <laughs> or for or for as long as we can take it <laughs> uh. Help me if I say, oh, God. Oh, God. Get as many angles in as you can. Yeah, right, right, right. Get as many angels in. Well, I think we can squeeze a couple more minutes in here. Yeah. Cool. Well, they... Seth is good friends with the uh, tour manager of Snarky Puppy, and we're, we're going to be oh. talking with them soon. And our, our friends at Live for Live Music recently reported on uh, one of their members sat in with you, and they did a nice article. On, I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, Live for Live Music I did a great piece. Smiley has to tell the story. Yeah, yeah. Could, yeah, you, yeah, t- yeah. could you tell us how that Smiley all happened, Smiley? T- <laughs> yeah. Uh, the smile's back. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Snarky Puppy is one of our biggest influences. Oh, wait, before the story. Band. Tear up and high five. Hey. 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 <laughs> story time. So, um, <laughs> Snarky Puppy is probably at one point in time. I don't know if it's still now. Anderson Pack may have taken that reign. I'm not sure. But the out of the five of us, like our biggest influence, Snarky Puppy was that for uh, for a point in time. And Sean Martin, the, one of the keyboard players, for me was one of my favorite keyboard players, um, and still is. And he's just taken some epic, timeless solos on some of the Snarky Puppy songs. And we found out during one of the Jazz Fest late night shows that we played, we played downstairs at the Blue Nile and he was playing upstairs at the same time. So once we figured that out, we obviously had to ask him to sit in. So he was upstairs chilling, asked him to sit in and I have this new setup with my Moog where it's <coughs> tilted downwards on a stand in a very weird way and I asked him before the show, do you want to sit on my Moog? It's like kind of weird. He's like, oh, you got a Moog? Yeah, for sure, I got you. I, that's the one I want to sit on, for sure. I was like, you know, bass player's got a keyboard rig, it's normal. He's like, no, I'll do that. So he comes on and then right before he comes on, or when he's on stage, I like whisper in his ears, like, take it easy on it. Like the stand's not super strong. Um, and I don't know if he heard me or uh, what, but he's like, okay, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, you. yeah, whatever. And then uh, he plays a solo, like about like six, seven notes into the solo, the stand like breaks. Trent Reznor, baby. <laughs> That's a Reznor move. And um, he like, he catches it. Oh, and there's wow. a guy in the front row that is also like kind of helping, he but he catches it, it. And then he ends up, and then Sean ends up holding the Moog with his left hand and plays it with his right hand and he's like just vibing with it as if like, like as if he wanted to do it so i don't think not, anyone knew that it broke i think so that that was just yeah. like his Part move of the show. Yeah, yeah it was like definitely his move that's jazz that's you know you <laughs> play was, a wrong note make it right you it know? was like difficult for him to really play notes and then at one point he just held one <laughs> note and just like played around with the, like the knobs and, and the modulation like wheel <laughs> and was just putting his hand up like hey hey and people loved it yeah. yeah. Nobody knew. It was amazing. Yeah. It was pretty we, great. But it did ruin my show. 
<laughs> did ruin Smiley's show. No, it wasn't that bad. The casualty, <laughs> but you know, yeah, the fact that he played it. and you're like, oh fuck, how am I gonna top that? Or that the it's like, how we no, get that the he mug, broke he broke the stand. how we get the mug back on the stand for the rest. Yeah, of the you show. just bring the guy from the front row to Sunday. He was there the whole time. He was yeah. totally down to hold that the keyboard was. for he the was. entire show. That he guy did was. save like, my that life. Would have been his it, life. Purpose. He was there the whole uh, night, just like making sure shit didn't fall. Shout out to him. Sounds like if we tour together, some fun stuff would happen with Snarky Puppy, huh? Ah. We're down. Are there Gerber, ta- you heard that here, Gerber. I know you're listening. Any yeah, talks to you co-billing with anyone in the, uh, between now and the end of the year? We have talked to them. We yeah, have talked about, about but not recently. Yeah. Uh, Corey just sat in with Sputz Band. Yeah. Um, also in New Orleans during Jazz Fest. Go Snow. Kind of, yeah. Yep. There's sit-ins at Jazz Fest? <laughs> <laughs> Something you should like check that. it out, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Really it's not, cool. but yeah, it's just too much jam band. Yeah, right. Right. If it's not jam, it's funk. So... Oh man! Speaking of jam bands, no, I'm not even go there, Rob. Well, our, <laughs> our godfather of our show was Colonel Bruce Hampton, and he said some things. Oh, Rest in peace. Yes, we oh. were there at the at the at the event. Oh wow! But he oh, talked about the importance of uh, you know a lot of stuff that he says is lacking in music. You guys actually actually have like melody, intent, play with passion, play wow. with emotion. Wish and, we had met him. Yeah, well, the first song on the not the the new one, the first song on the album before that. What's it called? Love yourself, somebody. Or no, um, colorful mitts. Colorful mitts. Amidst, yeah, yeah. Colorful mitts. That's our first LP. The main squeeze. Oh, I'm sorry. That's great. If you were gonna send one out to the Colonel, that would be the song. Wow. Well, that song reminds me of the Colonel. That's awesome. Uh, and I think that would go over well at vinyl because that's a great idea. You're in yeah. Heartland. We that's haven't even a, played that song the whole time. And shout out to uh, our little man Taz. He's like our little brother. Oh and yeah. I can't even begin to imagine what was going on with him or through that, you know, that whole experience. But I have strong feelings about this. Yeah. Do so you? does Corey. I so do let's too. hear yours. I would like to hear yours. The kid had everything. Yeah. Technique, you know, ability, mm-hmm. drive. Intent. What was the one thing he was missing? Age. The, the story. The wisdom of experience. Uh, yeah. Being informed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the colonel in one gesture, one final gesture, which by the way, he took the solo from someone I love, but someone who was being a ball hog and gave it to a youth, yeah. someone young. Yeah. You'll tell me then, the person after. And then laid at, he plays harmonica. And I love him, but. <laughs> yeah. And then he laid at the kid's feet. And I think that wasn't just about the kid. I think that was about our future. Yeah. Too. That was the, by far the youngest person I on the said, stage. And I think that was him. I, you know, he's a, he's a seer. He knows what's coming. And 100%. I think that was his way of saying to us, I, I, I pray for the future for you people. I'm out of here. I'm yeah. fine. I yeah. said he it knew. was. That's wild. It was not a more appropriate, you know, it, it, it's as sad as the situation was. Mm-hmm. I think that it will be something that will. Um, be stuck with the Taz legacy and it's something that yeah. Taz will learn from like you know this is a whole I remember seeing someone pass away for the first time and like what that did mentally and and spiritually to me and um, you never you know you, it, death is a part of this whole life that we get to live yeah. right some people and, go through life without seeing death right exactly <laughs> right you know and that's kind of crazy um, <laughs> and it okay, hurts sorry. and it hurts but it can center you and make you appreciate exactly things. and I think it will it will it will be a part of his legacy yeah. and i think there was no you know i we weren't there obviously we heard from a couple people i heard i talked to a kid at jazz fest who stopped to that went to that show on his way to jazz fest wasn't even going to go and stopped in to see that show and saw that and he was like he said now you guys were there so you'd know better but he said he felt like 
he was watching Taz and that Taz knew that something was wrong and everyone else on the stage didn't. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, Maybe you he can, was you just can look in hindsight. You, like, could, you could see, you know, Taz, because, I mean, Colonel, like, like literally fell right right on him, essentially. Yeah. And okay. Taz is, we all know Colonel that he would play stunts That's a part like of his that. And, yeah. But Taz kind of looked and was like, uh, and then. Something's wrong. Yeah. And, uh, the you know, Warren and, and the musicians, Popper and everyone was just like, no, no, go, go with the solo, go, he's fine. The yeah. musicians yeah. responded exactly the way Colonel wanted them to. Yeah. yeah. And the man could do things with his brain. He might have been. Ready to do, yeah. or he might have go. been Still doing talking. one of his games to yeah. keep them. Okay, because I mean, he even uh, we've been told said goodbye to a couple of the musicians. Yeah. So yeah. really, there's yeah. some the mind control He's, going on there. Yeah, this yeah. is a bigger. So if you were a musician yeah. on that stage, like we said, the one thing you can do for the colonel is to view the beauty of that night. The beauty, and not have exactly. any guilt or any sad. Yeah. Well, you yeah. can't have no sadness, but you got to. Right. It's exactly what, what it is. It feels yeah. like yeah. that. He right. spoofed us. Yeah. Right. It's the greatest like, spoof ever. And then he incredible. then he checks out. It's best, amazing. Best incredible. birthday yeah. present ever. I'm sure from his standpoint, Several you know, people. to be able to celebrate that with that group of people just reading about mm-hmm. it. And um, yeah, well, it's the only man that dies and can't have a funeral because he already had it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Had a had a no few, memorial service. Yeah. They were like, no, we been done. This done. Yeah. Just happened. Yeah, I think we're I think we're running out of time here. Okay. But uh, let's end on Humphreys McGee, friends of the show. <laughs> yeah. You toured with them. What are your impressions on Humphreys McGee? And did you get to collaborate at all with them? I nice sat guys. in with them on Black Sabbath. And I also did. Jake uh, sat in with us. Right? Jake sat in with us yeah. on uh, Have a Cigar. Yes. And then we yeah, also yeah. did um, we did a more modern tune in Indianapolis. We did Daffodils by Mark Ronson. That's a song that I heard yeah. them cover at um, summer camp, and that. I don't know, you know, if you guys are Mark Ronson fans, but I love that album. He's a British guy, right? He is a British. Mm-hmm. He was British DJ. What was his thing? But the mm-hmm. the album he ended up producing, produced for Bruno Mars. He did Uptown Funk. Obviously, was the mm-hmm. biggest song in the world at the time. But um, I love Daffodils. I always loved it. And I wanted us to cover it, and um, I heard them play it at summer camp last summer and i was just like this is awesome so um and indy we tried to you know since we did a traditional classic rock song at um in asbury park we decided to do something a little bit more modern and that was fun but those They're guys really are great nice they guys. run a, a, a tight ship a great business and we were so thankful that they allowed us to run around with them for a few weeks and just see how they live life and they liked us their stage crew didn't yeah. Oh really? We went Which over. We ah. Was it Drew? Was it Drew? Oh. Slow down, slow down. Oh yeah. You guys said you guys said you went over. Yeah, you know, uh, we, we went over time and we a got little no bit. Fucking yeah, respect. you don't do that with Humphreys. No right. yeah. fucking respect. A total of five minutes over the course of the tour, but that was enough. I know. That's I know. enough. That's that's a thing. We're gonna we, we have actually segments from other uh, Voodoo won't do that to you. Voodoo Visionary will never do that to you. Yeah. They can't. <laughs> but Humphreys, we have a lot of similarities with them as far as when we grew uh, how we started as a band in the Midwest. Bloomington, where yeah. we started, was where yeah. they started, really. Um, and Joel so, lives out in L.A., so, you know. Yeah, oh, no, we see, we Chris see those, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Chris, yeah. I forgot. He, he comes by. Them. He comes to our place sometimes. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty good guys. Well, keep playing. Keep mixing up the shows. I got to tell you, you can feel it out there sometimes when a band's on its way. And I know I'm raving about Corey, and a lot of it is Corey, but it's the whole No, no, fuck, no. It's, no. The it's, whole band. it's the whole band. I uh, mean, and, and to have a, gen- a singer that's this good and also willing this willing to step back and let you guys shine, too. It's all all the pieces are there. I'm excited to yeah, watch what's coming a, for you guys. It's a full team effort, Thank top to bottom, and it wouldn't happen you know, without all of our efforts. So I'm just blessed to be the person in front, but... Um, yeah, like I said, it's, a, it's an incredible band, and we're, we're, we're very happy and um, just excited for what's to come. Awesome. Thanks, yeah. guys, so much. Good luck. And uh, and New Year's Eve in Atlanta. Come on. Headline. Ooh. Headline. Ooh. Thinking about that could be fun. That's what we thought. <laughs>
That smiley sure makes you smile there, Rob. Gotta have a guy named Smiley in the band. Just really keeps morale up. Yeah. You don't want crotchety. No, no definitely not. No. We had a crotchety. Well, we, I kind of got crotchety across from me right not, not right now, but sometimes I do. You're kind of crotchety sometimes there, Rob. Max Newman on guitar, Corey Fry on vocals. Really, really great to sit down with Main Squeeze. I love those guys. Bringing soul music into the jam world and vice versa. Seth, tell us what's going on with you. Well, I beat the hurricane back. That's one thing. So you were down. What you were down for a site inspection? Yeah, site meetings for the events I'm doing with Cloud Nine and Mekiho. And which uh, storm was coming? Nate. So did, was it hard to get a flight? You had to get you no. To- it was actually uh, first of all the time of year right now. Like very few. The travel season is not big right there right now. So. When I got there, I zipped through the, you know, there's no there's no line at customs going into the country. And then leaving, same thing. There was no line. I mean, in December, sometimes you wait like, you know, two, three hours. I'm not kidding. Um, I mean, you got to know the system. To, not but Anyway, but it's typically big lines. And this time, no. No, there's nothing. And, and it was easy. There was a lot of room on the flight. The flight was maybe, you know, I think I think people did beat the storm. So had it been regular... Uh, like my flight the next day, and you know if there was no storm, the the flights are like maybe half booked if less. So this one was you know three fourths booked because of the storm. People jumping on, but yeah, it was very easy to get on the flight and and out. But um, and it was weird too because like I mean, look, it was it's a, it was a tropical depression moving to a, a hurricane category one, but you wouldn't know. Not one person was talking. Well, then again, I don't speak Spanish, so I don't know if they were talking about it. <laughs> but but yeah, there was no like real preparations going on. And people were just so casual about it. I'm worried though- about those destination events as these hurricanes get more and more severe. I mean, what what would be? Wait a second. Hold on a second. You're severe. So Puerto Rico, right? You know that there's that um, pretty lights has and it's still booked, by the way. Which I don't know how it's going to happen, I, I, but. The Isle of Right or whatever it's called, Isle of Light, in Puerto Rico. Like, it's... it's. When is that? It's supposed to be in December, and I don't know how it's... First of all, how it's, it's possible Puerto Rico, because... I don't know if anybody... There's Puerto no Rico power. Was, there's was, no, was just destroyed. There's been a little lag in getting um, help to them. A lot of people saying different reasons why. But um, it's looking like it. things could be bad. My, by the way, my stepmother just got back into her house in uh, Oh, wait Naples. a second. Sorry, sorry, she sorry. She just called me yesterday. Go ahead. Let's see. I'm looking right. Beep, 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 beep. Island of Light 2017 cancellation. It did get canceled. Oh, uh, okay. For the, it, like, as of, 
That's what would be the protocol if you're down there at one of those events and, uh, and you know that the people putting on those events are responsible for everybody in the hotel that's a thing you're not just responsible when the shows are happening when you do these destination events seth the promoter is responsible <laughs> from the second they walk into the resort right um well i, I no they're still walking into a resort that's like saying if the toilet doesn't work is it the promoter's fault no but when a, a major disaster come on the promoter to some extent has to be responsible for having some sort of plan of action right? oh yeah 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 plan of i'm sorry i didn't understand what you're saying yeah I, i'm there i'm sure that that's very laid out insurance wise what's what uh and and let's face it americans are going to sue everyone from from the from the promoter to the grain of sand they were standing on we've never had that insurance guy on and now now there's another thing there's so many things we can ask him. well Tem- he, what's Tem- his name peter temkin he's happy he's happy to get on the show we'd have to do a call-in because he's not coming through atlanta anytime soon unless we are going out to nashville maybe have shappy on and have uh, have that guy do the intro or something I know. We, if we're going to talk to Temkins, we're going to do. do oh, yeah. well, get him in here. Sit down. He's not in town. He doesn't live in town. He can meet Birdie. Is she inside? Yeah. All right. Uh, turn so, re- so, so I'll light though. Okay. Look here. It's canceled. You know. I mean, I don't know. How, like I said though, I don't know how they they would have been able to do that. And that's, you know, Puerto Rico's just 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 demolished right now and even if it was to get back you know he's one one argument though is oh this would be really good for the economy you know bring these people there but it's like yeah but the the staff that works the hotel let's say the hotel is still standing let's say the hotel actually has electricity how are you going to get from the airport to the hotel how you the the workers that are working at the hotel this is just so complicated i know so i've been thinking about this summer because it's there's been some close calls Yep. And and for those, again, that are wanting to help out, there's a lot of different ways to, to donate your money and, and all sorts of things. Just look online. I mean, I'm, I can give you a hundred different things. Give but. one. Well, Don't just say just look online. Fine. You can go, you know, of course, there's the Red Cross. And then there's like looking here, following through with the... I hate that. And like on message boards when yeah. someone like you asks know, a question and someone says, let me Google that for you. you yeah, know? It's yeah, like, exactly. dude, we're trying to start a conversation here, you jackass. There's a GoFundMe that the uh, Island of Light which is the Pretty Lights Fest they're, that they're doing. Their goal is to raise $25,000. And they're at 621 as of today. 15 people started in the last three days. So it's just started. And you could reach that at GoFundMe.com slash island hyphen of hyphen light hyphen united hyphen four hyphen PR. So that's GoFundMe.com slash island of light united for PR. I'll be watching the From California to Haiti benefit on online somehow tonight from Sweetwater Music Hall, but also the Major League Baseball playoffs, Cubs and Dodgers. And, and you're listening to Sports Radio with Rob Turner. Nationals, Rob Turner. Nationals and Diamondbacks. But th- those aren't the matchups. What's the matchups? It's Diamondbacks are playing the Dodgers and the Cubs are playing uh, the uh, So who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? Oh, uh, wait, too early to say. The World Series. I really think finally the Cleveland Indians will win the World Series, and it's been a while for them. Just a bit outside. Just a bit outside. How about Turner reviews anything? Oh, my gosh, dude. T. T-R-A. What do you got to say? T-R-A. What do you got to say? T-R-A. Turner reviews anything. With... I have uh, no uh, affiliation with the Vista Room, but good God, every time. Not yet. Vista Room, give me a call. Yeah. Uh, again, it happened where... You shat yourself? No, no, no. <laughs> that only happens at metal shows. 
Which, by the way, a quick, quick shout out. Something I learned in the bathroom. At, at yes, the, yes, yes. We people, know you did a metal episode on your other podcast. No, no, no. People come up to me and start talking to me and telling me about musicians. Save, save now. that for after the TRA because we're okay. in TRA right now. Stick with that. All right, you're right. What are you going to review? Um, Jeff Atchison playing with John Rico Scott, former guest on oh, our show. Yes, oh, fourteen episode, fourteen minutes. Way back there, he also did a. Um, Actually, a live from one of our few artists that did a performance. But go yes, on, because they don't get advanced properly. But <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Jerry Joseph better play some songs for us. I'm going to hit the roof. I'll call, I'll call him right now. All right. Um. Uh. It was just such Jerry. A- How you doing? Oh, I'll call him later. Good. It was Jeff with John Marsh of Deep Blue Sun, who used to play with Jeff a bunch. I oh, actually on keyboard. Yes, and really? I got to talk with John a bunch. And he was talking about some of his. He had just come across a tape when he first started playing with Jeff in two thousand. And um, so this band isn't. So just back back it up real quick. So Jeff comes to the U.S. from Australia and puts is, together U.S. Soul Diggers. But this tour, it's the Soul Digger. It's Jan Rico. I forget the kids. The bass, the bass player. player, yeah. He looks kind of like Pecchio, though, doesn't he? Yeah, he's fantastic. He was great. And later in the was show... Was it Pecchio? No. Later in the show, Charlie sat in. And the bassist... The, the, the Charlie two, Wooten? Charlie Wooten. Oh, my God. They did a voodoo. They did like a 15-minute voodoo, Seth, that was so sick. Best version of that song I've ever seen. Jeff, Neville's, anybody do. Oh, I'm thinking voodoo lady. He must have put voodoo on me. It's like... Dun, 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 dun. It's a real grinding Cajun thing. It was on the uh, Neville Brothers Yellow Moon record. I love Yellow Moon. That is their crowning jewel as far as um, I guess their older stuff is uh, timeless. <laughs> but that Yellow Moon record, I think Dana Lanois did it. That is a great record. And Voodoo, uh, Jeff's been doing it for a long time. He even does it solo. But they freaking sunk their... Charlie Wooten walks onto a stage and he improves the, what's going on. And Jeff kind of let him take over. They did one song that the Royal Southern Brotherhood used to open with. Um, and then Rico. They start playing Basically Frightened. Really? And Rico took over and went into colonel mode. Oh, man. And it was Rico's birthday. Was it really? Yeah, I think he's 45 now. Somewhere in his 40s. Shut up. Shut up. He's old. Shut up. But it was great. I love... I've... I love young Rico Scott. I really do. I tried getting him a gig, him and... uh, because you know he was so nice to do the yes. live WTNS live series for yes. us. So I've been trying to hook him up with a gig, him and uh, Grant Green Jr. And I actually had an auction uh, come up that I was talking to that I was going to set up a party and get them to play. It was at the Monday Night Brewery. I've never been there, but I mean, but anyway, so the didn't work out this time. But it's gonna. It's gonna Two work things out. about the Vista again. A the Vista. Pe- the people dancing. I mean, there's some tables, but um, but it is. It can be a sit down room though. Right. It can be both. And then or in the first set, it was more people like, can you get out of my way? You know, okay. And you try to dance around the mm-hmm. tables. But by the second set, everybody, the room was dancing. Oh, and that good. fuels the band, people. I what mean, a- I understand. I like, I'm a folk guy. I like going to shows and watching and sitting and staring. But on balance, in general, musicians want people responding to their music. And they right. will, it creates that energy vortex and it will step up. Well, the- I was always confused why, like, Jeff's band would play in a place like Eddie's Attic, which is a sit-down. Now, sometimes I can understand you want that sit-down thing, but his band's a rocking band. Soul Diggers right. are a rock and roll band. Why would they be playing? Yeah, you want to find me at Eddie's Attic during your Jeff Atchison show, you'll find me right when you walk in because that's where you can dance. And... Yeah, it didn't make any sense to me. So the Vista... Now, how about the bar? Did Were you able to get a drink on time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really good. Two really good bartenders. I had uh, this, like, sweet tea marinated 
grilled chicken sandwich. It was really cool. So That's kind of weird. And no, I paid for everything. This is not a, an endorsement or a sponsorship. It could be though if they call us. Yeah, they should, and we'll talk about it more. But that's it for now. But so this is the thing: people come up to me now and just start talking to me about artists. They don't identify where they know me from. I assume it's this podcast. So let, let me, yeah, you you were your your face. This happened in the was, bathroom last night. Did so he put his hand under the door no. to your door. Big Alan Woody guy finishes up his business. I step up and he just starts talking to me about the masquerade. He went to start some show, and um, and the guy who opened was this guy Felix Martin. And I've looked him up. This guy is ridiculous. I would like to have him on the show. He's got like these custom made 15 and 18 string bass, uh, guitar, bass, instrument, whatever that he's made. And he just shreds. And it's metal and it's jazz and it's rock. And uh, I'm going to have him on one of these podcasts. Definitely. Felix Martin. Look out for him and be ready to hear me interview him in some context. It might be too metal for you, Seth. Maybe. Hey, um, Rob, I want to thank a couple people. There's a Jason Zeher, Z-E-H-R, Zeher, Zeher, um, as well as, let's see, uh, Alston Lanier. Uh, I want to thank Nathaniel Roberts for doing a great job on our tweener last week. Nathaniel Roberts. and uh, Josh Thane, as always, Wonder Dog Sound Studios. Josh Thane Productions. You don't even know the people I'm mentioning. Well, you're fumfering around, so I'm trying to fill the time. Yeah, just give it a second. So these folks, at any rate, these folks, not only did they email us, they they gave us some feedback. Oh. And I appreciate that. Can we read one of them out? Sure, I'll do that right now. Let's see here. All right. Uh, let's see. It's okay if it's, it's critical. No, I'm going to pull the critical one up. Um, yeah, let's do the do the harshest one. We like when we like criticism. Let's see. We're sadistic. All Pe- right, this one's no. Eh, give me a second, guys. Uh, talk. Uh, let's see. So uh, coming up at City Winery. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Seth is working on a City Winery date. I we fr- have s- some other. Alston is the one that's been uh, he many people and Alston's one of them. CBDB is a band that's from Tuscaloosa, I believe. Yeah. And we're looking um, into them. We 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 hear you guys Message that want received. that. And who are they uh, opening for? Uh, Kyle. And what's the date? Like next week? Yeah, next Friday. We're we're talking to possibly thievery. So um, that's. Hmm. Yeah, we have interviews. All right, here we go. This this one's kind of harsh on me, but that's... Uh, oh, this is great. I needed it. Read it slowly. All right, Josh Franklin. Hey, Be- guys. Carefully, slowly, <clears throat> enunciate. Hey, guys. I'm following orders since I'm finishing the latest episode. I don't listen too often and just discovered you from the JoJo and Reed Anderson episode. Hmm. Reed Anderson was the guy from... From Bad Plus. Oh, yeah. That's when you broke up the Bad Plus. Bad <laughs> Plus broke up the Bad Plus. Go on. Haven't caught all of them since then, though. You asked for feedback, so here I go. <laughs> I listen to tons of podcasts and have seen Fish and Panic over 25 times each since, like, 98. Ooh. I'm 38 years old. Why would old? you see the same band that many times? I don't get that. Yeah, well, that's your problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm 38 and live in Denver, Colorado for the past 11 years. I'm already jealous. And Minneapolis before that. He's younger than me and lives in a great city. And what? Minneapolis? Before that. Another great city. That's why I saw my first stuff about Dylan. The episode about the Colonel was really incredible. You guys were so emotional, raw, and real. Unprofessional, but yes, uh, raw, real, and emotional, too. I don't like it when you interrupt each other <laughs> or the artist you're interviewing to make stupid jokes. Ding, 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 ding,
Say, listen, you know what? Some people have Tourette's. That's my Tourette's. But I'm working on it. I want to leave that in on the Andy Joel interview. It was the <sighs> worst one ever. Okay, look, dude. I want to leave it in. Well, Please. Just, we'll talk about that. Let me continue. Where's the that? podcasts are long, but I do like when there are two guests. Maybe shrink each episode into two, but keep multiple guests and say we'll have more with on the next episode. Maybe stagger it so it's part one with one guest and then part two with the previous guest so you start so you string on listeners on. May I do a- anything over an hour is a commitment to listen to, which is absolutely right. Sometimes that is. Well you can pause. Yeah, but the thing is, is a lot of listeners. A lot of listeners, if they're listening to something and they do pause, I hear what you, you're someone that pauses. Most people, they're, they're, they're li- you know, they listen to this episode and then they're gonna, and then if they don't finish it, they're on the next show. They're on, you know, they're just moving. There's so much to listen to. So you, you most know, people, we, you sure you have your finger on the podcasting pulse? That uh, much? I've talked to a lot of people, and yeah, and a lot of people that listen to podcasts, they 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 sit through the episode and then they're on to the next one. And if they don't finish it, then they're probably on to the next one but just it stays saying. in place so if you go back it picks up where you left off but backtrack what were you gonna say hey uh email us about that well, give us your opinions on that but we've split stuff up into two parts and not done well with it like look at bread and bayless some of the best stuff was in part two but part one is a lot more listens and at the time we really didn't get of course our partner wasn't really singing it from the mountaintops that much even though it was a rare brendan bayless interview but we we didn't really get that much response from part two. Right. But I think you have to, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to look at it this way. Part one is, some, the, the, it reaches the entire fan base, okay? And, hold on, a lot of people don't, you know, that might be their first time listening to a podcast, and they get into it, and they're just like, what's this, what are these two fucking jokers talking about? And then they get to the interview, and they're just like, ah, fuck it. You know, like, some people just, like, click to get there, and then, then they get there, and they don't listen. One joker, so, one, one astute professional. Anyway, moving on. How did you got? Here's what he says here. Still, this is the same. How did you guys not ask Reed Anderson about their piano situation? Nothing about the new piano player coming in. I can't remember if you talked about Ethan Iverson or Robert Glasper's comments. And we talked about Ethan briefly. Eversion's response, and they hadn't made the change yet. At that point, they had literally made the, the, the change like two days after that interview. Yeah, and uh, we talked about Ethan's blog, and it made Reed uncomfortable. It did make him very uncomfortable, which is why you say I broke up the band. Yeah. But you're the one that brought up that, so. Go on with it. So, wait a second. You just, you say, I broke up the band? Just read the fucking thing. So, you're the one that, you motherfucker! <clears throat> and he finishes by saying, you guys are great at teasing out info from guests and get great guests. Keep it up, guys. Josh Franklin. You can email Josh at, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hey, Josh, thank you so much for sending in your feedback. And uh, I got to be honest with you and everyone out there. We we definitely, definitely agree and take all of what you guys say. And this is, opens up a dialogue between, you know. Uh, well, dialogues are back and forth. Okay, fine. But this is a conversation that Rob and I have been having. So if you if you have any feedback, insideoutwtns at gmail.com. Insideoutwtns at gmail.com. Do you have an attention span? Let us know. Well, first of all, if they don't have an attention span, they did not make it this far no, into no. the episode. No, you know, so let's keep that Unless in mind. Let's skip ahead. Um, Maybe there's some people who don't like the interviews that only listen to us. It's possible I doubt too. It. <laughs> uh, all right, our next episode is going to be a tribute to my favorite living musician because he's turning seventy. Who is that, Seth? Bobby Weir. So we have um, 
some uh, excerpts of previous previously released uh, interviews where he's discussed by Keller Williams. He's discussed by John Phillips from the long forgotten episode 34, which we retired in honor of David Ortiz. And um, oh, that's why we retired it. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah, David Ortiz. He was a great player. Look how the Red Sox are without him. So we got the Bob Weir and tweener. You're calling it because it's for his birthday, right, Rob? Yeah, and there's another one talking and about. And then following that, on Wednesday, October 25th, we're set to release the Joel and Andy of Humphreys McGee, where I um, ruined the interview with some Not bad the interview. Jokes. You ruined when he was talking about... Something that's very important to Something me, that's actually. in your wheelhouse. Yeah, I know, I know. Sometimes I just want to throw... We may throw something in there on November 1st. We're not sure yet, but uh, coming up, though, we do have Brock Butler and a great interview with Vince Herman. Now we can um, talk about Nathaniel, right? Because he did such a good job. We might be able to put out more episodes. We're closing in on 50. I'd like to do something live with the 50th. It's, it seems to be beating my head against the wall, getting anything confirmed on that. Well, you know what, Rob? It's, it helps when we have meetings, but, uh, you know, you, you and your freaking meetings. Well, if you want things to be done, you have to meet about it. You can, so, okay, let me, folks, let me explain you the difference of Rob and myself. If you want something done with me, we're going to plan it, we're going to communicate, we're going to follow up, and there's going to be times to actually communicate. Rob is impulsive and manic, and he's like, it doesn't matter what time of day or night it is. He thinks it, ha- you know, he comes up with something, it's like, oh, it's got to happen right now. Like, I got to, dr- sorry, Daryl, I got to drop you in the tub. Go here. I got to, you know, like, no, that's not it's how not it works, It's not that it dude. has to happen now. I just like to get the thoughts out yeah, now. You feel like if something, you receive something, that you, it has to be now, whereas I like to just... Okay, it's out there now. It'll get seen. Yeah, but you have to understand there's a way to organize that. You know, like put everything in one email so you can respond to the first thing and ignore the rest, which you do all the time. Well, that's because most of the time you're fucking a circus. No. Listen, and if there's follow up, then you can follow up on the points that weren't there, but you can't have like text message is not the way to like just like get everything done. So, Manic Rob, Complainy Seth, wishing you guys a wonderful day, night, evening, whatever you listen to this. Uh, Thanks for listening. Beauty parlors filled with sailors. The circus is in town. I've been drinking. I've been smoking. 33 days in the pain won't go away It hurts all over the same Like yesterday, eight days before, a month ago I've been drinking been smoking, staring at the wall and the pain won't let me fall, oh, I've done all, but nothing will do, there's no fix for missing you. There ain't no 
Save us when the sun rises. I feel fine. 